Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blacker Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We're back to discuss True Detective Season 4, Part 3. Written, at least the story in teleplay, by Issa Lopez, as well as directed. But Alan Page Ariga joins her on the teleplay as a writing credit. So, giving credit where credit's due. I really like this episode. I know that sometimes slower pacing type episodes aren't for everyone, which fair. And I do think that they don't always, when you're building a story like this, is done with the right amount of detail. And I think the cinematography, even though we're in the dark, it it all lends itself to the the mystery on all sides of our actual murder or murders throughout time. And we find out that there's been additional murders here. So it all aligns with a, a nice through line theme. And the music also is fantastic. I think they complement each other well. You cannot have one without the other. And it allows for you to breathe a little bit with the characters and understand where they're coming or approaching this case mentally. And I like seeing the unfolding of that. Before we jump into the review where we listen to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever good podcasts can be found. Get on to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, subscribe. If you want to send feedback for the next episode, blackercouch at gmail.com. April 22nd, seven years ago, young officer Evangeline responds to a trespassing call at Silver Sky Mining Facilities and finds Anne there with several other women helping Grace give birth in a water bath and I cannot think of anything that is more traditionally beautiful and presently horrifying I don't I don't want that I I preferred the epidural and even when it came it came a little too late because those contractions are real and I don't care how much you singing to me I mean I'd probably be shouting words that will encourage you to stop she ends up becoming a part of the ceremony welcoming grace's baby after a stressful moment where we didn't think the baby was going to make it proving she isn't afraid to be arrested and isn't in the face of of the cops being called on her and i wonder if this is evangeline's first interaction with her and up until this point we didn't think they had any personal interaction but it feels as if she may have known her through her actions and responding to in current times day five of the dark Hank has brought out a posse to help find the missing Clark 
everyone's locked and loaded like this is a hunting party for kicks because that's just how bored they are drunk and stupid is every single last one of these morons jumping out of them trucks i shared evangeline's deep disgust white people be like of course they would have fresh fruit going out to search for someone in a season where many people probably don't have fresh fruit showing these people have more privilege hank has a wake-up call coming his way and i really hope it's the russian chick he's sending the old photos of himself to that makes him feel the most by taking everything he has because <laughs> he's someone i want to see taken taken so low that he's just smelling smelling dirt the rest of his life danvers continues to give Pete all tasks such as don't place evidence in the evidence room despite it being evidence because it stinks in here like he housekeeping crack uh ann's phone because you're under 30 and got friends and i guess that's all the qualification you need to be a hacker and get navarro transferred temporarily to help assist go through clark's things lund is still in a coma they amputated both of his legs and his arm may be next jesus christ i believe that the spirit is strong and the will to live i was reading a story about the elephant man and i have a, a lot of admiration for someone who was intellectually trapped in a body that simply turned against him and yet he didn't allow that to to make him suicidal he still made a life for himself even though physically it was not pretty i think he even died just by laying down uh, resting his head because he had to, to he had to sleep sitting up because if he laid down it would constrict his breathing and that's exactly how he died and the idea that he just wanted to rest his head and be a normal person for one second and that's what killed him so i i certainly understand that sometimes the human experience is one that is a story of severe trauma physically i don't know if i would be strong enough to want to stay on this planet if i was lung he decides if he's gonna continue to be wrapped around her finger prior that is junior the least she can do is tell her why or tell him why he and navarro hate each other and what does it have to do regarding the wheeler case they worked on last so she decides to finally divulge closes the door and everything william wheeler murder suicide case he was a serial abuser sexual assaulter all around asshole of an individual the story is he killed his wife and was dead when they got there but in the flashback he very much wasn't dead he was alive bragging over his work especially seen as 
these women probably tried their best to get her to report him, but she wouldn't do it unto her demise. And they knew that there was nothing that they could do about it. And he's kind of gloating in that moment. So my guess is the ladies couldn't allow that. I have made it very clear how I feel about what women may and may not have to do to get themselves out of a situation in which the law is not useful to them. She stays Danvers blamed her and transferred her or she transferred out. But we know that Liz transferred Danvers likely to protect her. She also isn't fooled by his own excuse that he fell because it's always abuse victims that are ever so clumsy. She tells him that you need to go tell your abuser to get rid of his friends. Otherwise she'll call immigration on his Russian bride. And I feel like that's what you should have said over the radio. If you wanted to make an impact other than answer me, answer me, God damn it. I know you hear me answer me. You're being made a fool of in front of everyone and he's doing it effortlessly. You need to get down in the mud with him. Like, Oh, you're not going to answer your radio. That's fine. That's cool. I'm going to all, all I'm going to accidentally have my mic on <laughs> while having a private conversation about your past. Let's see how quickly you pick that fucking radio up then. But I think that's part of Liz's characterization is that she doesn't stand in her truth, so to speak, in regards to being a woman in position, having no authority and not really stretching that authority as much as she could and should in her position. Navarro searches in the darkness. They're looking for Clark, throws the orange. She picked up and finds it once again back at her feet with the wind asking, help me, help me, nigga. I feel like there's a less creepy way to send an SOS, but I guess because she's a listener and she listens to prayers, maybe she touched in a way that Liz doesn't believe, which is going to be a hard time convincing her otherwise. But I have a feeling she also maybe believe her by the end of this shit, because sometimes it doesn't matter if you are down with the brown. It, it It's still going to... <laughs> Oh, I'm an idiot sometimes. <laughs> Can't avoid it. She joins Liz going through the 19 boxes belonging to Clark with pics of Anne showing up. Looks like they were a happy couple, even though she's classified as the hot fun girl. What? Because she got blue in her hair and he's classified as the weirdo. Why did they keep their relationship secret? Liz is all about the questions. Eve is all about not playing her game. When Liz asks if she's still doing Kavik, like, you still fucking Kavik or are you back in the girls? Navarra is about to light her up about Connolly. When Sourpuss Peter arrives with his owner's coffee, 
Liz thinks nobody knows about her and Ted, but she clearly don't realize the size of this town and how much her business is out in it. Like the, at the hotel y'all was staying at, the reception is called somebody. Okay, because everybody can see you roll it up in the fucking cop car because you don't use any discretion. <laughs> now, our girl, Anne, on the other hand, knew how to keep a fucking secret. I called Peter a sourpuss because even though he heard about the story, he also came in with this oh, you're mad at my mommy figure and thus we can't be friends. It didn't help that she was teasing him about the bruise he had, not realizing that it came from his abusive father. But how was she supposed to know that? So they have a little bit of an odd relationship as if he's competing with her for Liz's attention, but she is like, bruh I'm trying to treat you like a colleague like a freshman like a rookie and you can have her attention because lord knows it's not like we are best friends they both realized in some of the photos a third person had to be present which leads them to Susan and her cute kid at the hairdressers Liz is good with children. She's able to distract her kid with mac and cheese and the story of unicorns that the one lady, I think that was her mother, was enjoying. While Navarro gets Susan to talk why about why she lied. Turns out she was scared. Someone seemed to have sent a message and that message was very clear. Fair. She went to Salal's to give the men there a haircut. She took Annie once because she was obsessed with going there. And that's when she met Ray and they two hit it off. He was fixated on her tattoo, a tattoo that she has been dreaming about since high school. And once she got it inked, the dream stopped. It was Anne who wanted the relationship secret, which Susan describes as odd behavior for her. Not to mention Susan was dating Oliver from Salah herself, an equipment engineer that left before Annie died. He's out on the ice not wanting to be found. And you're allowed to do that. That is not a crime. People who don't put their information on the database, that's legal. Bombshell, she called the police and reported Anne's relationship with Clark, not to her because she didn't want to be recognized, but to do the right thing by giving up the information. She just didn't leave her name. And it turns out the person she gave the information to was good old boy Hank. Danvers and Evangeline argue in the car about the fact that the system is rigged all the way to the top. And you are probably sleeping with the enemy and you're a part of the cover up. Well, Danvers points out, look, before you go into conspiracy territory, know that 50% of this town had motive to kill Anne and all of them were not from the mill. And now we got a suspect we haven't even ruled out yet. Then there's the tongue. Maybe everything doesn't lead the way you think. And she's able to concede that. Whereas Danvers, well, she does a little later in the episode 
begrudgingly. And I think at a time where she's starting to have the realization of her duty, uh, something I think that Connolly wasn't expecting, because which is why he kept pushing. Yeah, no, you wouldn't care. You don't care. And also, she also is on Tinder. <laughs> She's like, I don't shit where I eat. Since when? Gotcha, bitch. I do like the presenting older women as still sexually active participants because for some reason, the idea of women at 50 means that they're all knitting sweaters and <laughs> on cruise ships, smoking cigarettes or in slot machines. Fuck you. Okay. I can tell you right now. I'm not 50, but I'm 40 and I would not consider myself uh, at all at an age where I should be diminished in my sexual capacity. Not on t Tinder. I, I think I'm banned from Tinder. It's not because I did anything. I think it's just one of those accounts that gets banned. Probably because they figure I'm not going to utilize it because I went into this uh, rabbit hole when I was looking into other accounts that got banned because they really want you to spend money or something like that. I don't know. I never went back to find out because you can write them and da 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 da. But I was like, no, I keep hearing too many Tinder horror stories as much as I hear Tinder non horror stories. So, I mean, I guess that's with any dating site. How did we get here? She was talking about Tinder, to be fair. Don't ask me what I do in my spare time, then laugh in my face, Liz. Because you said you wanted to know. And I was reluctant to tell you because I knew what the reaction was going to be. Because she says in her spare time, Evangeline, she prays. Except she's not praying to anyone she's listening. She believes in magic. Danvers does not. But she also feels like she's disappearing into the other or she wants to disappear into the other and never come back because this world comes with its negatives as much as its positives, quieting the conversation. And I'm like, girl, who hurt you? <laughs> Are you OK? Do we need to do we need to go and see someone at the lighthouse as well? I feel like Danvers knows she's right that she is Danvers herself complicit in the lack of law and order around here and doesn't like that Danvers be speaking or calling out the facts. And because that's going to get her in trouble, I think she's really trying to protect her by making it seem as if they're not aligned or allies because God forbid someone should see them as allies like Hank did. Hank was like, oh, I thought they hated each other. So with that idea that they hate each other, then they don't have to worry about them teaming up and using those big brains they have. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever it is, I do think that Danvers knows way more than she's saying. Speaking of, Hank, just like an abuser, comes to find his son ignoring what his boss wants. Like, fuck her. I don't care what she wants. Hey, I found these kids skates just around and I want to facilitate the closeness once again of our bond and reinforce this relationship. And oh, let's go out with 
my grandson right before trying to siphon any information he can get about what Danvers and Evangeline are up to. Too late, Evangeline comes in hot, upset that he didn't tell her about a lead on the case that he took her off of. He points out that Anne was sleeping with everyone in the town. And I'm like, how do you know that? That's just speculation on your part. And if everything else was known, why was this not known? While he's let off with a warning from Liz about his job, Liz didn't intervene when Evie got all up in his face. She doesn't also like being referred to as a Mrs. Johnson in regards to his kid tossing the coffee right in his face. Who are you talking to right now? He looks over at his son like he's supposed to do something. Like, you gonna let this bitch handle me? I'm sorry. She's my boss. She's your boss, too. I don't know why you forgot that. You've been disrespecting her all day. What the fuck you gonna do? And then now you just got called out doing something that's a breach, a violation of your fucking duty. Yeah, no, I'm not helping you out. But that angry feeling of being emasculated once again is bound to force a reaction from him. A violent one. He wouldn't act that way if he didn't feel protected, though. Which is why Navarro leaves ticked off by the weak response from Liz, despite throwing the coffee in his face. Who could only half-cowardly tell the man to do his job? Pryor asks, who's Miss Johnson? If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. You're the most nosy-ass child. Go to the database and look it up. Google, see if there's a newspaper article first before you think you're going to get some information out of her. She, of course, changes the subject. Evangeline goes to see Kavik ice fishing and will help her find Oliver if she tells him something about herself, which causes her to leave in a huff, but soon she returns. Kavik is used to her ways by now, like, always lovely to see you. <laughs> This kind of feels like someone trying to pursue me. Like, I don't want to be vulnerable. (laughs) I'll tell you things, not everything. Her mom was from Alaska, left to go to Boston where she met her dad, explains her accent. She had two kids, but once again, the abusive cycle of the man hitting the woman. So she had to flee with her two children. However, she was never the same. Her behavior reflects Jules' behavior, except one day she left, didn't come back, and was killed, and the person responsible never found. Her biggest regret is she never told her her Enopio name. I may be saying that incorrectly. He was trying to get her to open up last episode as well. Like, you know, you, you're all hard on the outside, but maybe you're you're very caring and loving in the inside and vulnerable and, and you just have a tough exterior, but she wasn't trying to hear it. And he is intent on cracking that nut. Leah and her girlfriend go to a rally against the mine, pointing out the damage it's doing to their water supply, to the wildlife. So now... There are others that are actively wanting to shut the mine down. Leah is recognized, but is welcome. 
even though she tries to demure that's just my stepmom I have nothing to do with that but she continues to find value and involve herself more and more with her heritage and that's to be expected especially in the loss of the parent who represents that heritage she finds out a child was born dead and it's likely to something has something to do with the poison environment liz proves she once again is tone deaf to all things related to her daughter leaves turkey out listens to white noise when she's reviewing case files i listen to white noise when i'm going to sleep in her mind and the way she talks about leah when they're not in the same room together there is a maternal connection to her but in her mind protecting her means isolating her from reality and that's where many parents go wrong and you can't just toss this kid out at 17 18 years old into the world where they're responsible for themselves making all their decisions and you didn't at least let them stumble and fall on that bike like you gotta let them <laughs> you know yeah eventually gonna be able to go ahead and leave the block but you gotta give them some freedom and you have to listen to them and that's something that liz is not doing she's not listening to leah at all and she's not caring about what she wants she's more alarmed at the idea that she'll be associated with people that she's actively you know supporting on the other side of things eve is out in the cold like she do she sees a kid in the distance laughing and gives chase only to slip and fall hitting her head she sees a deserted scene with an overturned truck and a kid saying tell my mommy something 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 before she wakes up at this same moment her sister jules freaked out at the bar when she gets back to her truck and gets a call from Cave's assistant and that she ran out and that it was really bad she ends up finding her on a boat frozen in the ice which was a magnificent shot from afar she knows she sees and hears and has bad thoughts it's not something that she can seem to help her sister eve is very supportive and comforting but i do think that that only goes so far you can't be fully responsible for her and what if she runs out and something happens akin to what happened to your mother i don't think you would be able to live with yourself if that happens so getting her the required help even if that help is from your peers but maybe she just feels because she's part of the law to a little disconnect because that's kind of brought up a couple of times her her native heritage liz knowing what it feels to lose a child does go to see the grieving mother at her home as others share her grief that was a very long spinning shot and i'm not quite sure i liked it <laughs> i i watched it a couple of times to see if i appreciated it and it just 
I think maybe if she was already standing there or I was expecting, like, that's what I was kind of thinking. There's someone here I'm not expecting, or maybe they were just trying to show the full extent. It was just a, an odd choice that took me out of the scene just for a moment. But I do like the idea of getting together, of sharing the grief with each other. And then her going to the bathroom, running the water that is indeed black. And she just walks out. Prior comes home late, ends up waking everyone in the household, needing to double check that charger. His wife isn't pleased that the sweet dork of a kid that she married is now a cop and has a very strong connection to Danvers, whom he can't say no to while she is a single mom going to nursing school. This is the second time we've had interaction with her. And I will say, I don't see the connection between these two people. I feel as if this is a ongoing thing. Like if this was just the case, I would be more on her side of, okay, what the hell? You're being pulled away. It's getting more and more insistent. But she goes, no, it's not just this case. It's always happening. You'll keep doing it. All right, then you got to shit or get out the pot. there's two choices you have here. And I kind of felt what he was saying, like, oh, okay, I'm a cop. Well, I didn't marry a cop. Okay, so I wasn't supposed to become a cop. I didn't say you can't become a doctor. So you're telling me because of my, my field choice, I'm no longer. Yeah, that that I kind of wasn't getting her when she was saying that. (laughs) Like, oh, well, you're not quite the person I wanted to marry. When it's to marry the person you were. Okay, well, I'm not that person anymore. I grow up and yeah, I, I'm dedicated to my job. And yes, maybe that doesn't mean I am conducive for a relationship, but it feels as if he's trying to do his best because he said he, he's sorry, come back to bed. He even went in there with the kid. But on the other side, it's just because maybe I don't, all I'm getting from this characterization of his wife is I don't like your boss. And I think that you need to prioritize us and your parenting over your job, which is fine if we didn't have a murder case. I can't speak to what happened before because I don't know what that looked like. And it doesn't seem like it probably is at the extent that she's saying it is. So yeah, there's just a disconnect with me and and where she's coming from. The next morning, Vince can't believe Pryor has casually been watching the horror. Uh, that is the unthawing corpses without mental trauma. He's like, I really want to know if that dude called his eyes out. How long have you been staring at this shit? Vince knows what a body looks like when it freezes and what a body or what a caribou looks like when it's frightened to death. And I can tell you right now, they didn't freeze to death. It's almost like asleep. These motherfuckers had cardiac arrest from something that terrified the shit out of them. 
She said, uh, can you just do a little postpartum? Oh, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm so kidding. That's totally illegal. <laughs> Let me buy you a beer. It's the AM, sir. You said good morning. Eve shows up. I come to make an announcement. She found Oliver on the, what did she say? Muckluck Express? Which makes Peter feel some kind of way. He wants to be in the club, but he also doesn't want to disappoint Danvers. He doesn't like when she teases him as a freshman and that the Muckluck Express isn't for white people. He tells them to leave. Oh, they go to the... They go out to the nomadic camp where Oliver has been staying. The hostels are local, despite them being with law enforcement. And uh, it takes Navarro saying, look, he's not being arrested. We just going to ask him some questions. So like, you need to see if he's around. And Danvers is like, I'm not going to take you not answering this door as an option. So I'm walking in and he's sitting there with his gun waiting, making idle threats after, or with Danvers coming in, making idle threats after breaking and entering. I'm like, slow, slow your roll, ma'am. I feel like if they started with, so all your coworkers are dead and we would like to know if you can shed any light on that, he may not have been as hostile. I think that that would have been the the icebreaker. Though while he is distressed to learn Lund in particular is dead, though they confirm he's hanging on by a limb. <laughs> he demands they leave and never return unless they have a warrant. And I don't know, as a material witness, that should be viable. You have information, one of the last people that may have information on what exactly was doing or was going on at this space, at these, I keep wanting to call it space station, at this workstation. So I, I don't know why <laughs> you would say never come back again. Like, yeah, I will if I have a warrant, like you just said. I don't like that, though. Let me make sure you have the land deed to this property. Well, did you check first before you threaten him for being something he isn't? Just don't assume the man is nomadic and thus a criminal. He maybe just don't want to fuck with y'all white people no more. He asked Eve her name and we know she couldn't answer. And us knowing why, which explains why she was mad that he even brought that shit up. They get a call that Lund is awake, but not in a good condition. He's blind in both eyes. He's still got frostbite. He's got three limbs no longer, you know, circulating blood throughout his body. He's thrashing and making unintelligible sentences, but Danvers is able to get out of him that they woke her up and that she's somewhere out there. Does anyone else think this is a creature? Because we know in the ocean, in the deep, deep ocean, there's some, there's some uh, creatures so old, they're pretty much prehistoric monsters. And if this group 
decided to just keep on digging despite the fact that they were never going to find what they wanted to find but did find something else something i don't know out of a fucking nightmare that would explain what the hell is happening but i love that they are adding this element that it may be connected to Anne's revenge seeing as her tongue was there could clark have just kept her tongue like that's connected to something but what we don't know and i don't know any monster that would just take your tongue out i can see it clawing biting leaving bruises beating her body but taking the tongue ripping the tongue out i don't i don't i don't know and then you'd be able to preserve that shit i don't know clark did kind of lose his mind in the ER, the Hillabilities are now fighting with the officers because that's what you do when you assemble a group of men with guns and alcohol and boredom. Causing Danvers to be called away to deal with the brawl happening. And they were not just fighting each other. They were fighting officers, calling them pigs. Where's Hank at? Where is Hank at? Where are you taking responsibility for this? So she leaves Eve alone. And let me tell y'all something. Let me tell y'all. When Lun rose up on that bed with that deep ass voice talking about, hello, Evangeline. No thanks. Don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right then. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'ma get the fuck up out of here. This shit. I thought it, he was gonna continue with your mother sucks cocks in hell, but no, 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 no. He said your mother is waiting for you. Okay. I might have added that last part, but he goes in cardiac arrest and dies soon after. That's not something you're gonna share with someone. I mean, imagine trying to share that with someone. Okay, I've had two spiritual experiences one okay i hit my head head trauma hallucination that all checks but um this man rose up on one limb okay he rose up on one limb and he started talking in the freddy krueger candy man cross over voice how are we supposed to have this conversation with someone? Peter shows up with Anne's phone. It seems she's in a, a underground tunnel of some ca- some sort or a cave. And making a last message so someone knows what happened to me if I died before nothing but screaming. And all I kept thinking was, is this something we should be viewing in the middle of the hallway like this? Because the the screaming is kind of, you know, might be upsetting to the other patients here that just had some scrapes and bruises from like ice skating. (laughs) Which is where we conclude our episode. I have no predictions. I like the story as it's unfolding. I gave this episode a 9.4 out of 10 mainly for the music and the pacing. And like I said, the storytelling was really good in this one. As far as getting to know a little bit more about how both of these people are connected to this town, to this lore, and to this one woman. 
and it's uh it's certainly <laughs> certainly going to to have more horror elements about it i've been told and i didn't expect that from like a detective series so that's fun i did see on twitter that the the showrunner from season one made a comment a negative comment about this this season which amounted to the word stupid and look if you can only add because it's stupid to an argument that means that I have a bias that has nothing to do with what you're doing and everything to do with me. And I can't explain it because there's no justification for what I am saying right now other than hateration. And now I feel no compulsion to view the other three seasons of this show. Which is sad because I at least wanted to get into the other one with the with some black black people in it. <laughs> I just it's people act like that though right true detective season one everyone was talking about it two and three no one was talking about it and that is probably why they got a new showrunner and now he's butthurt and so while of course that'll all be supposition on my part it's probably the truth because that's just how things roll especially if you're connecting something that you started and someone else is finishing you're automatically going to knee jerk not appreciate especially if you're egocentric now if you have some humility to you then yeah i embellished a story let me give someone else who's embellishing on the story that i embellished their credit for what they want to do with that but no the response is there is a there's a statement out there sometimes if you can't say something nice don't say something at all and that is a point to be had you don't need to say something negative just because someone asks you to even if that's your true opinion sometimes you can take a step back and now that i'm off my soapbox let's hop into the mailbag What up, Zena? It's Mimi. This is my feedback for True Detective uh, episode three of season four. Um, I watched this and I didn't really write notes, so I'm going to try and, you know, go by memory. I feel like that's probably the best so I don't ramble on for hours. Um, but um, this episode was good. I, I did enjoy it. I starting to believe that um, Evangeline has the sight. Um, I got that vibe in episode, I think it was episode two when she was um, talking with Rose about her deceased husband and you you know it's like you know when have you um, when have you how, how long have you been able to do it and she's like it just happened i i've always believed that like some people can see all spirits 
in my person this is just my you know creole upbringing but some people can see all all spirits it, it's called the sight and some people see spirits because the spirits want them to see and i think that when you're open to the spirit you can see them but some people just get scared and they don't even want to want to look i i have this uh like my my like if i am walking in an unknown area and i see something that kind of looks weird um out the corner of my eye i'm not gonna keep looking in my personal opinion whatever that is ain't my business if i'm meant to see it i'll see it again and you'll be more direct don't don't be sneaking up on me if you're if you're a spirit if you want me to help you because you're not about to scare the shit out of me that's that's the way i've always lived my life <laughs> and i'm okay with that but i think it's um in my opinion and this is just how i feel about a lot of things i think it's very ignorant for humans to think that they're the only intelligent beings on on in the galaxy um of course aliens wouldn't think of themselves as aliens to us but and if they smart which i think that they are they're gonna stay away it's like y'all motherfuckers don't even like each other so why the hell would we like um put ourselves in your path like that's just stupid so that's why they stay away but i also believe in spirits because there's a lot of things that you know doesn't make sense like that they like contribute to like a weird phenomenon or it's a you know a miracle or whatever and i think it's more than that but so i i do like that aspect of this place that it's kind of supernatural and um we're like unraveling things the same pace as the lead characters um i really like um i think calling her eve is actually pretty uh clever it's so funny because whenever i see a person named evangeline i be wanting to nickname him evan but i don't think that's normal but eve is a lot like less of a mouthful i love that name don't get me wrong but when you're trying to talk about them in this capacity it's a lot to say but i love her character and i wish she would wear her hair curly down more because that was gorgeous like we keep seeing it in that straight ass ponytail like why are y'all straightening her hair it don't make no sense um her hair is gorgeous um and actually when i i just listened to your first uh podcast episode one and it uh you said that she's a boxer that actually checked out because i was i was trying to say like her body is phenomenal like it's it's freaking on point and her hair is gorgeous and i really wish she would wear it down more often or at least wear like the curly ponytail like why y'all straightening my girl's hair anywho um the like when she fell on the ice and she had that like vision like that gotta mean something and we keep seeing that damn one-eyed uh stuffed animal the polar bear but we also saw the live polar bear like that shit can't be a coincidence it's also in the um the credits so it, it gotta have some significance we're probably not gonna get what it means until later on um but um when um the deputy used his cousin who was a vet and he said that like they didn't freeze to death they were dead already and then uh he was like they were scared exactly i don't know what they were doing inside that that research facility but i'm certain it ain't on the up and up 
because you mean you've been out there for 10 years and y'all ain't accomplished shit somebody that's putting their money in there gotta be on their ass and that's just my personal opinion and I feel like when it came down to it um they were like well why don't you guys try and use the natives y'all motherfuckers not about to get these natives to voluntarily let you research them so what's the next step you steal somebody and that's not out of the norm because America has been doing it shoot the world has been doing it for for centuries researching on people that are less than whether it's the same race and they're poor whether they're a different race a different culture whether you go to another country and you just start plugging people and using your using your money to research on them you yeah yeah so I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past it and I feel like um, maybe um, Annie stumbled into something she shouldn't have and the dude she was dating had to you know do what needed to be done I feel like the the way she died in the actual like stabbing I don't think it was like that I think she died and then in order to um, make it look like you know the researchers had nothing to do with it they made it look like it was an attack and maybe them cutting out her tongue was uh you know let's just make it look like it was somebody to do with this protesting because no matter what you say about them research dudes weirdos shut-ins fuck boys they are smart i will give them that there's no way that you you know out of everybody in the world they picked you if you weren't intelligent so i feel like them being smart enough to cover their tracks is something that they probably could do i don't know why they killed her how they killed her or like you know what research they were doing if any but i think you know she stumbled upon something she shouldn't have because she was there because she was dating one of the guys and they had to take her out and it's like all what was it eight of them it's like I'm not about to lose everything I've worked my entire life for because your fucking girlfriend came out her business and somebody killed her and it probably drove dude insane that's why that motherfucker would be naked crying because he was staring at his tattoo like what have I done um and who knows he might have something to do with it <laughs> you know maybe him trying to be a Frankenstein put her back together and he fucks some shit up and something unnatural is just roaming around the ice and since it's unhuman and not alive it could be it could just be roaming in the freezing cold I don't know that's just a theory we'll see um but like I said I do think Evangeline has the sight and she can see that's why she saw the dude um with all his amputations and his frostbite um sit up because the way he sat up and looked at her it was so menacing and it was like that's probably like she probably sees all spirits whether it's good or bad and like I said uh, well because I mean Rose talked about it in, in episode two you know some of them uh want to hurt you and you got to discern which one it is it's not like her mama was a bitch and her mom was crazy I don't know if her sister has the same mental health disorder as her mom did or if her sister sees spirits and she just doesn't understand how to deal with it because that's that shit could be scary I'm, I'm saying you know especially if you know you have them showing you things that you don't quite understand or jumping into your mind and making you you know say things 
that, you know, thinking they're helping you, but they're not. They're making the situation worse. It could be any of those things. In all honesty, um, I'm pretty intrigued to find out. Um, I still don't like uh, Jodie Foster's character, what it, whatever, the Donovan, that's not her name. Whatever. I She annoys me so much that I don't even care to um, find out the truth. And the thing is, is that I get, like, it seems like her and Navarro fell out because they clearly did some illegal shit. That dude who beat his girlfriend to death was alive, and she said that he killed himself, and he was already dead when they got there, and we saw that that's not true. But I feel like, okay, I get it. You know, some things you gotta take to the grave, because if I tell you, you say you won't tell, but next thing you know, I'm being investigated. And it's clearly your daddy got a grip on you because he could beat your ass and you a grown ass man and you still lying on lying for him like it, it's so stupid be like well you told me to steal the box from my dad and my dad slapped me in the face so this is your fault like that's what i would have said we grown as hell i'm not lying no more <laughs> but he's still lying which means he's either scared of both of his parents or his mom or his dad i, I don't know i could see either way but the fact that he didn't even tell the truth lets me know that uh, the motherfucker's still scared of his parents. And it's a shame because clearly both your parents are trash. I don't know if she got the way she is now because the death of her child, um, the death of her um, husband, or if she was just always a slut. But I guess, you know, we'll find that out as the time unfolds. Um, but, you know, he, I don't know. I just, she should have just told him nothing. Like, because, I don't know, I got the feeling that he knew she was lying. And, and the fact that he asked her dad, or I'm sorry, asked his dad, lets me know that he, think, that he knew she was lying too. I also feel like maybe, um, no, like it was uh, Jodie Farce's character that actually killed him. And Navarro, I mean, being who she is, she's not, she don't seem like no snitch. Um, and she probably kind of agreed with it, but she seems like she's by the book, like by the book, by the book. So I don't think she shot him. Maybe she, maybe some shit got out of hand, but I, I just, I find it hard to believe that Jodie Foster's character would just, um, seemingly shoot, like allow Navarro to shoot him and then they would cover it up. I feel like maybe it was a, like a collaboration. So they were like, we had to take this shit to the grave, but that's clearly why they fell out and why she went to being a deputy. But anyway, I know I didn't really cover everything. I mostly this was about my uh, <laughs> my theories, but I'm already uh, at at, a, at the 12 minute mark, so I'm just gonna end it here. Until next time, love, peace, hair grease, the black girl magic, queen of the couch, Mimi. Out. That was Queen Mimi with her feedback on the episode. So you're of the belief that they have used Anne at the restart station as some type of project. That's interesting. Uh, I, 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 I can't even possibly commit to anything at this point. So everything is on the table. <laughs> As far as what was their relationships with each other. Uh, so if uh, if you want to throw out there that they they did something to her, which that's, I don't know about the, the part where they're experimenting, 
But as far as something may have happened to her at their, at their hand, I can get behind that. She, what did I say? She got to this. Oh, I agree. She does have the site. I do think that she has either some type of site or it's going to tie into her, her name, her traditional name. Cause in a lot of native cultures, she probably know. Uh, once you come of age, your name is usually given to you by nature. So that's interesting. I do think, well, I'm not sure I would say I'm believer in the spirits or ghosts. But I also know that logically energy has to go somewhere. And it's not off the table. <laughs> I'm with you though. If I see one or if someone's coming to ask me for help, you're going to have to really approach me in a direct manner because the creeping up is not going to be how we, how we communicate with each other. I think actually one, I don't think that they straighten her hair at all. I think she just has her hair in a bun. That's a ponytail, but that's actually police procedure. Um, female cops cannot have their hair on their collar. So that's why they usually have it up or have a short enough haircut where it is not on their collar. But I don't think they've straightened her hair because one, I don't think you can, unless you just went and washed your hair real quick and then straighten it out to put it up. No, I think she just takes a good old fashioned <laughs> brush, <laughs> gets that in a nice little bun. Yeah, she's not going to, like I said, she's not going to have her hair out. Plus it's a safety concern. And I've always thought the same thing, even when I was working in, um, I'm surprised, you know what? They probably don't have it at, at, uh, hospitals now that I think about it, but my, our facility was one where we was, um, dealing with mentally handicapped adults. So yeah, no, your hair had to be fucking up because that was something they can grab in very easily. And they would a lot. <laughs> For anyone that thought they was going to be cute that day and wear they shit in ponytails. That's just asking for someone to yank on it. So, yeah, it's a safety thing, too. Like, if, if you're in a in a grapple with someone, you wouldn't want them to have something they could easily grab onto, like your hair. So, there's actually some science behind that or logic behind that idea. But I do love her curly hair as well. I think it's beautiful. That's that nice good hair. You write an evil or malevolent spirit seems to be targeting Evangeline or Eve, as you say. But there's other spirits that she's seen that aren't that just wants her to pass on messages. So. Is it possible that Jules and her mom both like you were saying weren't as strong enough to deal with these spirits and it ended up driving them mentally over the edge. Whereas Evangeline actually sees these spirits and it's not, it's the spirits actually reaching out to her because she does listen. And then her mother and her sister Jules is just evolved into mental illness. I saw anything that happened to her sister. <laughs> uh, that's true. He grabbed that box. 
from his dad and yes he could have said look i did this for you but on the same respect that you just said that you are a grown man if you realize that this might get me slapped then i'm not gonna do what you just because you asked me to do it don't mean i had to do it he was a grown man he made the decision he took it on the face and he was embarrassed i don't think it was oh i don't want to it's embarrassed to know to haven't known that your grown father still has the power to make you feel like a scared little boy. Um, I, I think that's just as pointed out an abuse victim. And that's why she was trying to tell him, you have to confront your abuser. You have to stick up to this person because he's not going to stop. I can't get him to stop for you until you make him stop. So, I think you, yeah, you pointed out you didn't listen to episode two yet to know that that he, she's not his mama. <laughs> Liz Danvers is not Pryor's mother. I will say Pryor's not dumb though, because his dad was fishing for information, but he didn't tell his dad. He says, "Oh, I thought they didn't like each other." Yeah, what happened with them? Even though he knows Liz told him the entire story, he doesn't. He actually does hold some information that he's not sharing with his father. So I don't think he's he's folding in the face of of in between two very strong personalities, one who kind of wants the better for him but is utilizing him as the only person she can utilize in this police station. Um but he also is invested there. It's not like she's saying Oh, you can be fine. He could go run off with his dad and she would never find him, but he's choosing to stay with her. And I think that speaks a lot about what he wants in life. Uh, and I agree. I think that Liz did kill that guy and not because she's the rookie, right? She would not have made that type of in that moment call. But I can totally see Liz being someone who's pushed as far as she can go. And like I said, she's the one that transferred her out. So I think she wants people to think they got beef between them. So that they she never is seen as a an accomplice. Like if this ever comes out, you're not seen as someone that stood by me and thought I did the right thing. Like you said, like she probably would do. Be like, oh my God, this was fucked up, but you did what you had to do and I'll cover for you. We take this to our grave. But, and then the fact that she killed someone, right? As an officer, that's got to fuck with your head a little bit. And it also could be what is beginning this, uh, this unthawing of her characterization where she is, once again back at that place and now it's this this case that's uh bringing her back to a place she probably hasn't been in a long time mentally as far as inspired in her life so yeah i do think that she has her reasons of protecting navarro and that she she just doesn't want to have her seen as someone who may have helped cover up her crime which is exactly what she did but saying she didn't agree with my actions makes it sound like, oh, I was her superior. I forced her into a decision. She couldn't live with it. And then she decided to go work somewhere else. 
And that is all the thoughts I have. Luckily, we, we got past the dog. Because <laughs> they'd be out there for about 30 minutes just barking away. And the wind is now taking its place. So, once again, if you want to send feedback, blackercouch at gmail.com. Or leave a comment below. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and blacker magic.